Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. And here we go. It's Red's Line game recap for the third game of the 2019 Cincinnati Reds season. Who was coming to Great American Ballpark, you ask? You probably already know it was the Milwaukee Brewers who won the National League Central last year. And how did this game work for the Reds? Well, it was close. The bats were really, 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 really cold for the first part of the game. And then they kind of broke out with a Puig's first hit. He got two RBIs. It was amazing. Joey Votto continued to rake. What happened? Tanner Rourke did what I said Luis Castillo would do. Tanner Rourke came out and gave up three runs in the first inning. I really couldn't believe it. He had the bases loaded. It could have been a lot worse. But he settled down. He got through four and a third innings. Only allowed six hits, three earned runs, three walks, struck out six. But he really didn't allow too much more after the first inning. he did, In fact, he didn't allow any more earned runs. So he kind of settled in. Like I said, the problem with Sonny Gray was secondary pitches, uh, change-ups, curves, off-speed, basically. I think the cold uh, had a little bit to do with Tanner Rourke missing, too. And he, you know, got, you know, lit up a little bit. But after that, he got used to the cold And, you know, he's a bigger guy, and, you know, he was out there, and he went out there and, you know, basically attacked the hitters the rest of the way through after he kind of got in a groove, which was great. But, same thing, the Reds' offense was a no-show for the first four innings, and then all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, a couple runners on base, and Puig gets his first hit as a Cincinnati Red. It's pretty awesome. He's got his first two RBIs as a Cincinnati Red as well. So the Reds were tied, you know, all the way through the ninth. And then who do they bring in? Who does David Bell bring in top of the ninth to face the Brewers? Well, yeah, that's right. Iglesias, Rasiel Iglesias, their closer, which I guess that's the right move because the Somewhere a manager's book says that that's the right move with a tie to try and win it in the ninth. But I believe it's wasting your closer. That's my opinion sometimes, you know, in a tie game. That's just my opinion. But anyway, um, Iglesias came in there and give up a RBI double to Ryan Braun. Yeah, that's right, Ryan Braun. The uh, crowd was kind of giving him a hard time about his PED uh, suspension. And he delivered. He, he delivered a double. And the Reds went up, or Reds went down. Actually, the Brewers went up 4-3. to three. And then Iglesias kind of worked himself out of the rest of the game. And uh, they go to the bottom of the ninth. And you have Josh Hader coming in, which if anybody knows who Josh Hader is, the guy is kind of a side armor, different angle type guy. Only throws 92, 93 miles an hour, but he gets such extension and he's so herky-jerky 
when his uh, lead foot hits the ground, he's way out there in front of the uh, pitching mound. So basically, you know, that 93 is coming at you a little faster. It looks probably more like 96, 97. And um, they brought in Kirk Caselli to pinch hit. Immediately he doubles. It was amazing. It was great. I was thinking, hey, man, this is going to be cool because, you know, the Reds are going to, you know, tie this game up, especially with the lineup turning over. Well, then something weird happened. They didn't pinch hit for Scott Shebler facing Josh Hader. Now, Scott Shebler has already struck out several times this year, and... He hadn't struck out in this game yet, but against Josh Hader, I don't think that you let, if you're David Bell, you don't let Scott Shebler hit against Hader. It's lefty on lefty. This is not right. I think anybody else would have pinch hit uh, for Scott Shebler. In fact, somebody in Reds Nation 4192 said, and everybody in the ballpark knew it. Yeah. Even the most casual fan would say, hey, you probably better pull Shebler out. He's a lefty. Bring in a right-handed batter. In fact, they put out Michael Lorenzen to uh, pinch run for Casale, which is okay, but I would have much rather had Michael Lorenzen pinch hit for Shebler. The guy's a dead red fastball hitter, man. Uh, besides that point, um, you know, you could have bunted Casale over or Lorenzen over, whoever you wanted to bunt over. But the other problem with this, I don't think Scott Shelburne could get a bunt down against haters. It's a real difficult situation. So basically with no outs, a runner on second, this team who forever, it's been a philosophy, a failed philosophy, has not been able to manufacture runs. And I don't understand why there's not a bench coach in there, a tactician, that's saying, hey, this is what we need to do. Delano DeShields, I think, is the bench coach. Am I right on this? I think I'm right. Somebody should be there saying, hey, David, we need to, like, bunt this guy over. Oh, David, you probably need to pull Shebler. This is Hater, lefty on lefty. And I'm not, I'm not talking, like, normal left-handed pitcher. I'm talking Josh Hader. Arm coming out of the slot. And Shebler just struck out. Flailed away. He had walked two times in this game, which probably the front office thinks he's the greatest player ever now since he walked twice in this game. But, um, yeah, I don't think anybody else on the planet would have not pulled, not not pulled Scott Shebler. So where do you go from here? Um, Scott Shebler strikes out easily. Then uh, Joey Votto give a, you know, man, Joey Votto, I want to point out one thing to everybody. Joey Votto knows he's getting older. He knows his pitch selection is still elite. But I'm telling you what, I, I didn't put my finger on it the other two games, but this game facing Josh Hader, I saw Joey Votto go after a high fastball that he would never go after before. I think Joey Votto wants to win. Joey Votto knows, hey man, I only hit 12 home runs last year. That's not 
my game, I'm going to start swinging the baseball bat. Sorry, swinging the baseball. That's pretty funny. Anyway, so I saw him, you know, try and catch up to a hater fastball that was way out of the strike zone and high. So while I wasn't happy about that, I was like, hey, Joey Votto has now decided that, you know, this is his time to win and he's going to have to drive in runs and he's going to have to put the ball in play. Hey, if the ball is there and it's ball four, take the walk. No problem. I understand. But when you got runners on base, you need to start flipping the switch. And Joey Votto has got it figured out. And I was really impressed with uh, the hater at back. He gave the ball a ride. In fact, uh, it moved Lorenzen from second to third, which didn't do any good because uh, Puig ended up popping out. But that's not the point. The point is, this front office, they need to have a coach in there that can help these uh, basically newbie manager, David Bell, figure out some stuff. You know, and I'm not saying bring Jim Riggleman back. You know, I know he's, I think, in the Mets organization now as a bench coach. But uh, I'm saying, you know, bring a tactician in there. A guy that's going to say, pull Shebler against Hater. Hey, let's bunt this guy over. Like, it's not even funny. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to, you know, disparage David Bell on this situation. It's just craziness that that ninth inning was executed like that. Now... Here's here, here's the here's the devil's advocate David Bell side of it. Okay, just so you know, I'm not a complete anti David Bell person. He's like, I got a leadoff double. I got Shebler, Votto, and Puig. One of these guys has to come through to drive in this runner and at least get a tie ball game. Well, you know what? Normally, I would agree with you, David Bell, but Scott Shebler is not a good hitter. I understand why you're batting him leadoff because the statistics say he does better leading off. And I get that. But he's not a leadoff hitter. You understand what I'm saying? The difference is when you bat Jesse Winker leadoff, and we all know he's not a leadoff hitter, he's still a high on base percentage guy, right? Is everybody with me on this? Jesse Winker is going to be a high high on base guy whether he's batting first, second, eighth, seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth, whatever. So, I don't want anybody in Res Nation to say, "Oh, well, you know, you're 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 okay with a Winker bleeding off, but not Scott Shebler." It's completely different. Jesse Winker is a high OBP guy, no matter where you put him. Scott Shebler just is not a good player. Now, of all the teams that wanted Scott Shebler or needed a corner outfielder, you know, Cleveland, Toronto, San Francisco. Even Miami, Tampa Bay to an extent. Uh, now Arizona needs a corner outfielder. Hey, send Scott Shebler to Arizona. I'm kind of joking with that. But anyway, Scott Shebler is is not a leadoff hitter. He's not a high on base percentage hitter. In fact, the reason they're having to lead Scott Shebler off is he's so handicapped, for the lack of a better word, down in the lineup, he's just he's just horrible with runners on base. You know, the guy did hit 31 home runs, you know, two years ago. But, um, you know, you probably should have moved him then. The problem with this uh, front office is they just, 
they don't have any plan. And like I said in Game Two's recap, when they do have a plan, they don't execute their. They're even. They're, they don't even execute their own plan. And uh, the the biggest part part the problem is um, they're not proactive. You know, you had Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler both have thirty home run years. Both the guys are left fielders. That offseason, you should have traded one of those guys and got something for him, you know, sold high. You know, because some teams out there are going to be like, hey, man, this Scott Shebler, you know, he just hit 31 home runs, first season, full season. But not the Reds. They're, they look at uh, salaries more than anything, in my opinion, just based on what I see. And uh, they're just not proactive, you know. At, you know, it's pretty hard to uh, develop a team when you have three left fielders. And I'm talking last year. Adam Duvall, Jesse Winker, Scott Shebler are all left fielders. When when the Reds play Scott Shebler in center field, you should know that no other team would do that. Now, in a pinch, sure. You know, a day off, maybe. But no other team would deploy Scott Shebler in center field. Period. Do you understand what I'm saying? And... Um, you know, I think they need to move Shebler. And it's not because of the last three games or the last two games. It's just because right now they literally have three left fielders. Last year you had Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler, and Jesse Winker. They're all left fielders. This year, hey, my name is Dick Williams. Guess what we did? We traded Homer Bailey and we got three players back. And now, you know how last year we had three left fielders? Now we have three different left fielders. We got Scott Shebler, Jesse Winker, and Matt Kemp. This is this great. Does anybody see what I'm saying here? Does anybody even come across as, uh, you know, yeah, that does make sense, Jared. It does make sense. Like, those guys were all left fielders. And, you know, at some point, you got to pivot that talent, that depth. I'm going to say that depth for what you're lacking. And where are you lacking at? You're lacking in starting pitching. You're lacking in center field, and you're probably lacking in the bullpen a little bit. So um, what else can I say? How'd the Brewers do? Well, uh, Ryan Braun was two for four. Lorenzo Cain was one for four, scored a run. Yelich, hey, they, they controlled Yelich today. I almost had to throw Tom Brenneman, you know, a, uh, a warm, wet cloth. He was all over himself, you know, about, you know, how great Yelich was. Hey, we all know Yelich went went 11 for 11 last year to beat Scooter Jeanette for the batting title against the Reds. We all know this. So, I love Christian Yelich. Last year, I wanted him. Another guy on Twitter that everybody knows writes a bunch of stuff about Cincinnati Reds, Chad Dotson, he wanted Christian Yelich. Hell, we all wanted Christian Yelich. Well, can't do that. You know what I mean? Because that's a that's a flawed philosophy. Christian Yelich was controlled for five or four, four or five more seasons. See, see the way you do it in Cincinnati is you trade prospects for guys that are like free agents. Does that make sense? Like I know every other team in baseball trades for people that are under control. Yeah, that that that, that that's crazy. Who would do that? I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Anyways. Um, 
Davies pitched okay, five innings, four hits, walked four batters, struck out six. I mean, the guy walked four batters in five innings, and they can't. And the Reds didn't score more than that. I didn't even know he walked that many people. I mean, and I watched the game. Um, kind of crazy. The bullpen was kind of shut down. Um, you know, it's just it's all about philosophy and and and, and in game management and strategy. So. I really can't say too much else about this. Um, how was the errors? You know, um, Joey Votto had a fielding error. That's about it. Um, left nine on base as a team. It's a pretty high number, especially when you lose by one run. Um, Turner Ward's a great hitting coach. Um, being on loft angle or lift angle, whatever, 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 whatever they call that. Um, I think it's going to really help out guys like Jesse Winker, Phil Irvin. Well, who's Phil Irvin? Oh yeah, we can't have Phil Irvin on the big big league club because we need left. We need three left fielders, right? We need three left fielders, so let's not have Phil Irvin on the big club. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, to make a long story short, uh, I was really impressed today with Tanner Rourke. I think he's going to, um, you know, they pulled him with. I think he had ninety six pitches. I think that's right. Yeah, 96 pitches, uh, 56 for strikes. So that's why he got pulled. David Bell is a pitch, pitch, uh, pitch, pill, a pill counter, a pitch pill counter. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I was trying to make a joke, but it didn't come out very good. So uh, yeah, it's called a pill counter. But he was on a pitch count. I was trying to make a play on words, but it made me sound. It just didn't work out. Anyway, so let's go to the positives from this game. Number one, I just said it, Tanner Rourke. I think the guy's going to settle in. I think he's going to give the Reds 180 to 200 innings this year. I hope he can get in a groove where he's giving them seven innings every time out. And I know that you're like, well, that's not going to happen. Well, Tanner Rourke, you know, has pitched, I think, the fourth or fifth most innings of any pitcher over the last like three or four years. So the guy is a workhorse. They need to stretch him out. And I don't mean stretch him out from a reliever star. They need to get him where he's throwing a hundred pitches over seven innings. You know what I mean? Get him to where he's more efficient is what I want to say. Other good thing. Uh, I'm going to say Puig and Suarez got their first hits of the season. Uh, I think Yasiel Puig, when he got that two uh, two RBIs, he was really fired up. You could really see it. I think I think when it gets warmer, this guy's going to get way better. And um, so the third best thing, oh, I don't know what if there's a third best thing. I would say that uh, Amir Garrett's doing really good. He struck out three batters in an inning and a third, so he struck out three of the four batters he faced. Uh, other than that, uh, Joey Votto's still getting on base. Uh, let's talk about three bad things. Well, I think I already covered all the bad things. Um, oh, here's some other news. Uh, a couple years ago, the Reds drafted uh, Hunter Green, who was uh, probably considered the number one uh, pick for the draft. Uh, last year, he had a strain on his UCL. And I knew last year 
they needed to have Tommy John surgery. I don't know what is going on with this team's medical staff. They got that Dr. Kremchek, who's like the guru for this stuff. I knew last year when he had that strain, I was like, Why, what are you even doing? And then now he's going to lose all of this year, maybe all of next year, because he actually has a tear now. So I don't know what's going on with the Reds medical staff or their strength and conditioning coaches, but you just go down the line and you see all these injuries and you're like, man, what's going on? The only team to have more Injuries like these for elbows is the Angels. And it's just an epidemic. Uh, what else happened today? Um, you know the guy that the, he traded Adam Duvall for without options, Matt Wisler? Well, uh, he was uh, designated for assignment, and then they traded him today. And who did they get for him? Well, they ended up getting... A 22-year-old Nicaraguan from the Padres. And um, his name is Diomar Lopez. And uh, his, uh, I think Fangraphs had him like ranked number 46 or in the top 40 prospects of the... uh, Padres, nothing to get too excited about here. They say his ETA is 2022, but he's 22 already. So maybe maybe the Reds will see him when he's 25, 26 years old. Maybe, um, I don't know much about him. I know he's, I know he throws hard. Um, I think he had... I'm I'm trying to go off a of memory here. I think he had like 57 strikeouts and 42 innings at some point somewhere. Um, that's all I can tell you about that. Anyways, uh, so he's a little ways off. Uh, Matt Wisler, I think, would have been a better uh, person to have in the bullpen. I don't think that this team really does a good job of player evaluations. No offense to Nick Crawl. No offense to anybody else that I'm offending. But uh, Matt Wisler, um, heck of a pitcher. Could have given him one and two innings at a time. And this is coming from a team that's carrying eight relievers. So the fact that they want three left-handers out there is insane. And they should have kept Whistler instead of Peralta because you know you're going to have injuries. But anyway, who knows? Maybe in 2021 we're going to hear from this uh, San Diego Padres prospect they just acquired and, you know, he'll be the next, you know, superstar closer. Who knows? Highly doubt it, though. So uh, where do we go from here? What can we talk about? What are my observations from the game, maybe? Uh, David Bell is a rookie manager. That's what my observations are. He is married to the pitch count. I really didn't think he needed to pull Tanner Rourke. Maybe he did, 96 innings through four and a third or four and two-thirds innings. Maybe that was his prerogative. 
But um, the entire thing about not bunning Casale or Lorenzo over and then not pinch hitting for Scott Shubler, it was just crazy. I don't know how else you can put it, but pretty much well, the strategy did not work. So what's going to happen tomorrow, you ask? Well, it's the Brewers, who are now 4-1, and one, against the Reds, who are now 1-2. and two. I can't pronounce the guy's first name, but I think he pronounced his last name, Chacon. Uh, he's 1-0 with a 5.06 ERA, and he's going up against Disco. Everybody knows who that is, Anthony Discofani. Uh They were talking about him on the broadcast today. This is his uh, first healthy season in three years to start out the season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now you can keep track of my 99.7% right percentage. Disco will probably not last the year in the rotation. Why? Because he's a reliever. Why Why is he a reliever? Well, because that's what he was projected to be. The Reds keep throwing him out as a starter, and he keeps getting hurt. Why does he keep getting hurt? Because he's not durable enough to be a starter. So, um, I don't know. With my luck, though, Disco's going to go out there and throw seven innings of no-hit baseball and or actually, he'll probably throw like six innings, give up two hits, one earned run, strike out seven with two walks, and everybody will be like, well, Jared, you said he's a reliever. Well, that's going to be my luck tomorrow. But throughout the season, if you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Let's talk about one more thing. Let's go back to this uh, three left fielders. What's the plan? Are you just going to sit Winker or Kemp? Every other day? That makes no sense. Jesse Winker is a young hitter. He needs to get be in the lineup every single day. In fact, I want to say this. Why not just trade Jesse Winker? Why keep him trapped as a Cincinnati Red? Because it's not fair to him. It wasn't fair to Devin Mezzarocco when you as an organization wasted his pre-arbitration years. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Devin Mezzarocco was the, uh, I think, the 2007 or 8 Gatorade High School Offensive Player of the Year for high school before he was drafted. The Reds drafted him high round. And then when he finally made the major leagues, he was Ryan Hannigan's backup. Now, give me a break. And then his first full year, you know, he's an all-star Hits 20-something home runs, 24, 26 home runs, drives in 80 RBIs, has a 350 on on-base percentage. Crazy, right? No, he just didn't get lucky. He always had that potential, but then he got hurt. I'm not going to go into why he got hurt. I have some theories of mine, but that's not the point. The point is, why are we trapping these young players and not developing them? Look at Atlanta. Look at San Diego. Look at the White Sox. Look at the Boston Red Sox. Look at the Yankees. I mean, good God, look at the Minnesota Twins. I'm almost getting a migraine over this. Every one of these players, these young prospects, these teams, when they, when they develop these prospects, they don't call them up and put them on the bench for game one. How many times have you seen that with the Reds? It's insane. No, when they call up a player... Aaron Judge, he goes out and plays right field. 
Padres, when they call up Tatis, he's playing third base or shortstop. I guess he's a shortstop, sorry. You know what? Does anybody see what I'm saying here? That's the point. Like, these prospects play every day. You don't bring up a prospect to put him on the bench for the first game. It, it doesn't make any sense. And so now we're sitting here with Jesse Winker, who's a 400 on-base percentage guy. He's healthy. And you're going to keep him in a platoon because you want to have three left fielders? This makes no sense. And it's almost got to be a change in the front office because it's a front office philosophy. And that's the other problem I have. Jim Riggleman wanted to end the four-man outfield rotation. A day later, the front office overruled him. Remember that last year, everybody? So they got Brian Price, will do whatever they say, and now they got David Bell, who will do whatever they say. And I'm not knocking David Bell. I think he's a thousand times better than Brian Price because he made the majors. He kind of understands what these guys are going through a little bit more. But my point is, the reason our government works is because they have checks and balances of power, okay? The way an organization works is that everybody works together and has, you know, checks of balances of power. You know, like everybody talks about, like, the Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. They're like, well, if he just get out of the way and let the coaches coach. See what I mean? That's why I think Joe Girardi pulled his name out of the hat because I think that the front office was going to be like, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And um, Brad Osmus, I think the Reds should have hired him. You know, he had a tough run there in Detroit. But like he said in his uh, press conference with the uh, Angels, you know, he learned a lot. And that was invaluable, he said. So the Reds are going with a second rookie manager in a row, which no one wants to point out. And um, I'm not really here to bash David Bell because I think he did a really good job bringing in Derek Johnson and Turner Ward. But then let me ask you this. Why, why aren't you bringing in a bunch of other people for third base, first base? Why aren't you bringing in your own bench coach? Why aren't you bringing in, you know, some other your own people? It's just, I think that this team's front office needs a really overhaul to get the right philosophy. And I'm not trying to harp on things and make this as a Redlands edition, but it gets really frustrating when I see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Does anybody know what the definition of that, that, that defines? Insanity. It's insane. So, anyway, until the Reds make a decision and go with it and stick to it, you know what I really wish? I wish the Reds would choose a lineup, choose a rotation, choose a bullpen, and treat it like Jose Peraza. Giving it every single chance to fail before they finally pull the plug. Because on no other player do they do this. Go down the list. Jesse Winker, Devin Mezzarocco, Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, Raciel Iglesias, our oldest Chapman. You just keep going down the list. Even Todd Frazier lost the rookie of the year to Bryce Harper because this team chose Scott Rowland over him. So 
This is an organizational failure, an organizational problem. It's a philosophy. It needs to be fixed. Now, I'm going to end it with this. A couple years ago, I think it was last year, I think the Reds swept the Milwaukee Brewers and were like 3-0. and And everybody was like, oh, you know, we're going to win. You saw what happened the rest of the season. I'm actually glad they're going through a little bit of struggles right now because I think the team is better than last year. By a long shot, by the way. And I just think that people need to recognize that since 2008-2009, when the new regime came in, that there is similarities in how this ball club is ran as far as baseball operations and down to the field. And until you change that, you're going to be in a world of hurt.